uh, this semester is going to be uh, wisdom in Israel. We're yeah. going to be studying the uh, Israelite wisdom literature and uh, the traditional wisdom books. We're going to study them in order. Our proverbs, and we'll do that for the next two weeks. And Habakkuk's one of the leftover minor prophets. And then the next wisdom book we'll study is Job, Ecclesiastes. Oh, he's so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Job. Sirach. Oh, yeah, Job too. And then wisdom. Uh, I just listed Song of Songs. We studied that last semester, but it's traditionally one of the wisdom books. So I left it up there for completeness. Uh, the traditional author of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs is King Solomon. Uh, in fact, Proverbs in chapter 1, verse 1 starts with the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. And this idea that Solomon is the author of Proverbs also comes from the book of Kings. So 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 5, verses 9 to 12 says, Moreover, God gave Solomon wisdom and exceptional understanding and knowledge, as vast as the sand of the seashore. Solomon surpassed all the Sodomites and all the Egyptians in wisdom. He was wiser than all men, and his fame spread throughout the neighboring nations. Solomon also uttered 3,000 proverbs, like that, and his songs numbered 1,005. Somebody was counting, I guess. So that traditional tradition of Solomon being the author of the wisdom literature, again, goes way back. And that's what the scholars, do they really think that he, he did that? Uh, scholars, of course, love to debunk, debunk that. So they'll, they'll say probably not. Uh, I mean, I just finished reading this week where he did that. So I yeah. So I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. Um, so, so in general, I mean, to, to the point of did Solomon actually write it? To the point of did Solomon actually write it? In general, and we've said this before, in that time and culture, it was not unusual to attribute writings to a famous person to give the writing more status. It wasn't intentionally meant as a deceit. It was like a common practice, and people understood it. It was almost the idea that, well, Solomon was in fact so wise that even if he didn't actually compose all these, he probably could have or would have. There is a, there is a tradition or a legend, and this probably has no basis in fact, but I think it's a good memory aid. There's a tradition that Solomon wrote the Song of Songs in his lusty youth. Remember we studied the Solomon song in his yeah. lusty youth? That he wrote Proverbs in his mature middle age, and he wrote Ecclesiastes in his skeptical old age. Right? Very skeptical. Ecclesiastes. No, the other one, the Hebrew. Uh, Kohela. 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 I wonder how Solomon turned skeptical in his old age. Well, you're, I don't know, well, when we studied when we studied Solomon, I mean, he was so good in his early ages, but then at the end, he fell into 
Um, he had what a thousand thousand wives and three hundred concubines, and he fell into idol worship. Now, yeah. you know why did that happen? Oh. But you know these are just I think memory aids. Yeah. Right. I think that's it's worth it for that, if nothing else. Okay, so the Book of Proverbs. Um, so common structure for the Pro- Book of Proverbs is to see it as a combination of seven smaller collections, each beginning with an introductory verse. So the first collection, which we're going to study next week, chapters one to nine, begin with the begin with the words, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. I'm going to study that next week. And then collections two through seven, each begin with some similar introductory words. It'll begin with, again, the Proverbs of Solomon. This one begins with the sayings of the wise, also the sayings of the wise. So when I look at that, it almost looks like an introductory paragraph in the series. He's seven, what looked like seven smaller collections that were combined uh, into one book. Uh, that's, that's the thought, anyway, of how this book developed. Um, so we're going to study, again, we'll study chapter 1 to 9 next week, and then for our second week, they're going to assign selections of the, ne- of the next books. And we'll finish up in the second week. It's a long book. Okay. Um, now, some see this seven-part structure identified even with the book of Proverbs itself. So chapter 9, verse 1 says, Solomon has built her house. This is, this is where wisdom is identified as a female. She has set up her seven columns. So they see this reference to seven columns. And uh, this is uh, some artwork from, from the St. John's Bible uh, on, uh, for the book of Proverbs. And the St. John's Bible is a recent project that produced the entire Bible written in calligraphy. Right? And they also commissioned a lot of original artwork and illustrations. So they, this is the artwork that goes with the book of Proverbs. So here you see some, some symbolism. You see the seven columns. Right? You see six there and one here. So you see the seven columns representing wisdom. Right? The pillars of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is also described as the tree of life in Proverbs, which is symbolized here. This is symbolically a tree, the tree of life. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18 says, She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who hold, take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. So wisdom is the source of life. So not just life, but a good, well-ordered, happy life. Uh, wisdom provides a firm foundation to build a city to build a life upon, which is symbolized by a city. So you, you see the city up here built upon, in this case one column, but built upon the column of wisdom. So a well-ordered life, just like a city, is built upon wisdom. Um, and lady wisdom, we'll talk a little more about lady wisdom, but lady wisdom is described as setting up a banquet and inviting those who seek wisdom to eat. Right? That, that's symbolically to eat, which he offers is to accept her wisdom, symbolized by accepting her food. And here we have, down in this corner, we have uh, a flask of wine, and it looks like a patent with uh, hosts on it, so we have the bread and wine 
symbolizing uh, the Eucharist, but also symbolizing Jesus, who we recognize as our true wisdom. And I guess there's probably others, other symbols here, but then the last one I want to point out is so at the top of each column, you have to have what looks like a pearl, so you have the, you know, the pearl of great price, the pearls of wisdom. Okay. That's a little light bulb. Huh? <laughs> well, that's, you, could, you know what? That, you could probably work that interpretation in, right? It's have wisdom is to see the light. Um, so the seven pillars of wisdom have also come to be associated with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? And the origin of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 2 to 3. So the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, counsel, strength, knowledge, piety, and his delight shall be fear of the Lord. So the, this is generally seen as the origin of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some translations, this this is translated as fear of the Lord, so you see it twice, but traditionally that's also been translated as piety, which is the traditional sixth gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's what this means, so, Joe? Fear of the Lord, piety? What does that mean? Uh, in some translations, when you read this, they'll translate that as fear of the Lord. So you'll see it listed twice in some translations, but some translations is, translations listed as piety, which is how we understand the sixth gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's slightly different meanings uh, because piety is different than fear of the Lord. Anyway, that's the origin of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. It comes out of the Old Testament in Isaiah. Well, I still don't know what it is. What's that? What, what is piety? Yeah. Oh, you want to know what piety is? Yeah. What's the, the sixth? Is piety. Uh, piety is... It's either uh, fear of the Lord or... No, fear of the Lord or piety. Or piety would be, um, I guess, uh, I think a reverential attitude toward God. Okay. I'm trying to... Yeah. We're spirit, and I'll try to describe what what do they mean by fear of the Lord. Reverence. I guess. If you're a pious person, you're uh, you're reverent in church. You practice your religion. You have a good attitude toward God. That's going to be piety. Piety. That's piety. Yeah, I did have. Uh, Piety is uh, another translation of piety is reverence. Reverence, reverence. Another, and, and with the same. Obedient. Uh, uh, and fear of the Lord is also sometimes thought of as wonder or awe in the presence of God. So it's quite a different. Deference? Wonder and awe. It could be. So that you can see there could, could be an overlapping of those two. Thank you. Right. Joe, did you, would you say that Isaiah came after this? So when Isaiah wrote that? Isaiah wrote before the before Wisdom Books. Before this? Before the Wisdom Books, yeah. Okay. I just want yeah. to make sure I'm understanding this. Yeah. Okay. 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 
But the key, the key to wisdom is that last verse. The key to the wisdom is presented as fear the Lord in Proverbs. So the, this first collection that we're going to be studying next week, chapters 1 to 9, um, is bookended by this idea. So the, the first chapter, verse 7, says, Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then the last chapter, we're going to be studying chapter 9. So near the end of the chapter 9, again, you have this idea of fear the Lord. So this collection is kind of bookended by that idea but fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom again, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is this is kind of like that Hebrew a poetry, where this is like antithetic parallelism, and this is synonymous parallelism. Okay. So you when you read Proverbs, you can, this is going to be all over the place. It's, it's poetic, you know, lines. You have one line, and then you have a second line, but if you're explains it or clarifies it or amplifies it. Uh, so, what exactly did Isaiah and Proverbs mean when they used the term fear of the Lord? And here are some attempts by commentators to explain what fear of the Lord would have meant to the original author. So, both on page 480 says, uh, he sees it as true reverence and worship and suggests obedience to the law of Yahweh as a way to find wisdom. So this idea of worship, all tied up with obedience. Um, uh, there's two other books that are not required readings, but they're some of the suggested readings at the end of the chapter. So I'm going to quote from some of those occasionally. And one of those is uh, Murphy in his book, The Tree of Life, and he described it as all, again, we have that, we've said that before, all before the divinity, observance of the law, in the context of Proverbs and moral behavior. So that's demonstrated not only in good worship, but it's also demonstrated by how you lead your life. You get a moral life is a sign of obedience and reverence um, toward God. And the other uh, author, Fisher, in his a lighthearted view of wisdom in the Bible, he describes fear the Lord as awe at the power and wisdom and kindness of the Lord as displayed to us. So it's like our response to the power and wisdom and kindness of the Lord. Like he was presenting as well, that would be a natural response to God's, to God's uh, power displayed before us. And the last one is one we, we just saw. Isaiah himself says, And his delight shall be fear of the Lord. So in a sense, fear of the Lord is equated with delight. Um, we also find this idea of wisdom being a delight within the book of Proverbs itself. Uh, so Proverbs chapter two, verse, I mean chapter one, verse two says that men may appreciate wisdom and discipline, may understand words and intelligence. That those words are translated in uh, Veritatis Splendor, Article Forty One, as. Blessed is the man who takes delight in the law of the Lord. So the idea of to appreciate something is to take delight in it. Kind of like that understanding of uh, fear of the Lord. Alright, and this is where we get into this uh, okay. So in this in the sections we'll be studying next week in chat in Proverbs, 
chapters 1 to 9, wisdom and the source of wisdom is personified as a woman. I've already kind of mentioned this. And that woman is Lady Wisdom. So Lady Wisdom is, is prepares a banquet and invites and invites in the simple and those who lack understanding to come to the banquet. And I'm going to read some of that. Uh, this is actually uh, what I'm going to read is chapters nine, verses one to six, and then eleven. If when you read your Bible. Um, at least in my Bible, the, the verses are are put out of order. <laughs> it's like the numbers, when scholars looked at it later and they looked at the numbers, they didn't make sense. So they tried to make sense of it by reordering some of the verses. Does anybody have that? Mm-hmm. You see it there? Yeah, after six, I do. After verse 6, you have verse 11, 11. and then you go back to 7. So I think that's right. So I'm going to read verses. Excuse me, I'm going to read verse one through six, and then verse eleven, which is the way it is in order in many of the Bibles. Okay. So I'm going to read that. This is Lady Wisdom. So wisdom, wisdom, has built her house. She has set up her seven columns. She has dressed her meat, mixed her wine. Yes, she has spread her table. She has sent out her maid, maidens. She calls from the heights over, out over the city. Let whoever is simple turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness that you may live. Advance in the way of understanding. For by me your days shall be multiplied and the years of your life increased. So wisdom, again, is also is uh, symbolized by good food and drink offered freely. Right, Lady Wisdom says, "Eat my food and drink my wine." And the benefit of wisdom is life, not just life, but long life. And the opposite. So, Lady Wisdom, wisdom is personified as Lady Wisdom, but so is the opposite. Wisdom is also symbolized, or foolishness. Uh, so the opposite of wisdom, or foolishness in this case, is also personified as the wisdom. In this case, Dame Folly. Dame Folly also invites the simple and those who lack understanding to her banquet, but hers is a banquet of ill-gotten goods. And I'm going to read that. Uh, 9, 12 to 18. The woman Folly is fickle. She is in, inane and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house upon a seat on the city heights, calling to passers-by as they go on their straight way. Interesting. So they're on their straight way, but... (laughs) They're off the straight and narrow. Let whoever is simple turn in here, and whoever lacks understanding, for him I say... So again, they're calling the same people, right? The simple and those who lack understanding. I say to him, stolen water is sweet. And bread gotten secretly is pleasing. Little he knows that the shades are there, that in the depths of the netherworld are her guests. Right, so foolishness is also symbolized by food and drink, but in this case, it's ill-gotten or stolen food and drink. And the result in this case is death. Right, we hear, in the depths of the netherworld are her guests. I want to do this. Sounds done. Starting to ring a bell. 
So, uh, all right, so again, I this kind of rank, this kind of reminded me of the Deuteronomistic Code, yeah. right? Where, um, in fact, in, and if you remember, as as, uh, as they were about to enter the Promised Land, Moses was giving them a, a farewell speech, and he said, "I call on heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death." The blessings and the curse. Would you have a choice? Obedience gets the blessings. Seven. And life? Seven Disobedience and leads to seven eleven. Curses seven. and death. So choose life in order that you may you and your descendants may live. So the idea that wisdom okay? Did I do some wrong? Page two. What? Could you? you said, oh wait, on page two here. Oh, it's synonymous. The, the yeah, first one is antithetic parallelism. The second antithetic, and the second is synonymous. We learned parallelism. that, but I don't remember it. I don't remember it. Antithetic, and what's the second one? Synonymous. Oh yeah, I don't remember. Right. So again, the idea, just like in the, the Deuteronomistic code, where wisdom or obedience leads to blessings in life, and foolishness or disobedience leads to curses and death. So the invitation goes out to both goes out to those who and both goes out to those who are those who are simple and lack understanding but the wise one but the wise one is the one who first seeks wisdom they are the ones who know they are simple and lack understanding so the idea just so just knowing that one lacks understanding and that they need wisdom and is itself a sign of a wise person like I thought I heard somebody say that you know the fact that you know you don't know means you're, that's the, in a sense, the beginning of wisdom. You know how to look for wisdom. Right? And and a really certain humility is required. You have to be able to say, I don't know everything. I need help. So the idea is you'll never get wisdom unless you know you have a need for wisdom and then go after it. So the wise person is the one who seeks wisdom but then learns wisdom and puts it into practice. But if, of course, you might ask the question, but if you're simple and lack of understanding, how do you even know where to seek wisdom? Because I think Dane Folly's invitation can be very attractive. It's free. Should so. Bible say Dane? And mine says Dane, yeah. What does your say? The woman. Oh, the woman? I like Dane better, but. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so how do you know? When I think, how do you know if you're simple and lack of understanding? And I think it really gets back to fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Fear of the Lord will lead you to choose lady wisdom and not being followed. And just an icon of our, uh, our King Solomon. Okay, that's it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. That would be good. Yeah, we did good. Ten up. Any questions? No. No. Okay. We'll say in our Father then. In the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right, thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you.